I'm Annette Richmond. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Trend Talk Show, where industry experts join me to discuss new and emerging trends in their fields. Well, good evening, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you may be watching us from, whether it's right now when we're live or on the replay or listening to this on my podcast. So I am so excited to have this event tonight. It's been long awaited as I had to, you know, cancel it a few months ago. And I have such a great panel of experts with me tonight. And so um, I am going to ask each of you to introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about you and what you do. So let's start with um, Lisa, and then we'll go to Christopher and to Stephanie, and then back up to me. Well, thank you very much, Annette. My name is Lisa Napolitano Swartz. I'm a certified meeting professional. I'm the principal of Meeting Services Outsource Specialists, which is shortened Meeting SOS. Uh, I've been a um, meetings and event planner for many years. And um, enjoy it greatly. And I have an array of different clients that I work for, uh, either in-house with them or just on-site or as an extension of their group remotely. And um, it's been been a a fun ride. And it's a pleasure to be here. Great. Thanks, Lisa. Christopher Johnson. My company is Calm Clear Communications. I produce engaging virtual events for speakers, trainers, coaches. I help them get past the tech hurdles. Uh, My background, IT and broadcasting. So virtual events is a nice marriage of those two. Great, thanks. Stephanie? Yes, thank you, Annette, for having me on your show this evening. I'm very excited. My name is Stephanie Zapata. I'm the Director of Business Development with Mohegan Sun in Connecticut. Um, I have been in the industry for, unbelievably, just under 30 years. I can't believe it's been that long. (laughs) Um, I started out in the travel agency and meeting side and uh, then moved over to the sales side. And I've worked with many different organizations Um, helping my clients to have successful meetings at the various properties that I've worked at. So thank you. Well, great. Again, as I said, I am so excited to to have you all here um, tonight with me. And so, you know, let's kind of get right to it. And there's this whole thing, um, as I was doing a little research ahead of time, and I've talked to other people and this whole thing with events, some I hear say, oh, Live events. Live events are back. I, I've read that, that, you know, everybody's going to be in doing live. Then I read, oh, you know, there's still a little COVID going around. And so, uh, you know, a hybrid. Hybrid is the way to go. And then I also read virtual. You know, virtual is here to stay. And so, um, you know, what do you all think? Where, where are we going? And, and you know, what's it going to be like this year? Well, I'll start. Uh, Meetings are back and they're stronger than ever. Um, There is a high demand for programs um, that in various sizes uh, and so much so that um, 
availability and dates are not as easy to find as they may have been in the past. So meetings are definitely happening. People want to be live. And and are you and you're saying, you know, in person? Correct. Okay. Yes. Sorry. No, no. And 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 uh what are your what are your thoughts, Lisa? I I agree. Um it is it's really quite amazing. I did not think there would be a strong a bounce back um, from, you know, post right after COVID and everything else. But uh, I definitely am seeing, I mean, it is like full steam ahead. I mean, people, I think, were trapped. And um, it, it just, it's been a long time. And all of a sudden now, you know, it's back. And just as Stephanie said, I mean, on the meeting side, she's in the supplier side, Um you know, we are experiencing as planners trying to find meeting space. This is a good indicator is the point. Trying, If you are trying to find an actual physical meeting space and you are coming back with not available, not available, not available, that's unheard of. I mean, really, I'm telling you, and that's what we're hearing. So um, it's so good for the whole industry. It's just that it, it uh, it's a very good indicator of how, how that live meetings are definitely back. Okay. Christopher, you do a lot with virtual. So, so where does that stand? Well, see, uh, let's see. I'll say meetings are kind of back. Okay. Well, I don't think it's going away because there's the flexibility and convenience of not having to travel. Mm-hmm. And people enjoy that. People have become accustomed to making the meeting fit into their schedule as opposed to rearranging their schedule to fit the meeting. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I, Go ahead. Go ahead, Stephanie. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I was fixing my glasses. <laughs> I was going to say, um, Christopher is right about that. That's a, that's the caveat. It's that there are certain types of meetings and events that are going forward, but I don't believe uh, that it's ever going to go back 100% because the aspect there, for example, I just did a meeting uh, over the summer. The preponderance of the attendees all came out to the site. However, there were three or four of some of the main speakers that were not, it's not that they didn't want to be there or couldn't be there. In this case, it was a budgetary concern. And so uh, what happened was while the rest of the group was in person at the facility, we were sort of beaming in, you know, like Christopher saying, these people, either the trainers or the speaker. And so it had a, it was, it filled a budget concern, but also we also had another person who got sick, who couldn't travel, got COVID actually. And so some main player of the meeting. So instead of scrapping the whole meeting or getting someone else to speak, they beamed him in from there. So sorry for using that terminology, Christopher. I'm sure there's a much better way to put it. Well, you know, the thing that's interesting to me is that, um, you know, Virtual, I belong to an organization and as their membership chair, I'm very involved with the conferences if we have virtual or if we have, you know, in person. And after two years of virtual, we had an in-person in September. And now the planning for this year is going to be hybrid. And, you know, I also uh, and it is I mean, it's so convenient for virtual. And, you know, truthfully, I hear from from some some people who work at even large organizations that it's virtual is a better money maker for the event itself if they have if it's virtual rather than really? than in person. So I'd like your thoughts on that. But also um, to Lisa's point about the speakers, 
I did go to an event. It was hybrid. It was a women's conference out of um, Pennsylvania. And, you know, I went virtually. It was like one day virtual and uh, one day in person. And a lot of the speakers, as you mentioned, Lisa, were virtual. And what they had was um, like if I was a speaker, I had my recorded presentation. Hi, I'm Annette and blah, 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 what I was going to talk about. And then the speaker would come on live for like a 15 minute Q&A. So, mm-hmm. so kind of what, what are your thoughts about the, the money making of, of the virtual, the saving money on that? And also the whole thing is, do you think that we'll continue with speakers to sort of, you know, beam in rather than come? Sorry, I used that term. <laughs> That's fine. It works. It's gonna hey, <laughs> you know, when everyone understands the term, that's the term. Um, the flexibility that comes about from having some speakers be virtual is is great. I've worked events where they recorded their presentation as a backup and, well, it did get used and they were able to come in for Q&A. That works great. Uh, it also... Recording the presentation for some people takes away that angst of presenting live. For whatever reason, I haven't Mm -hmm. figured this out. Some people are terrified of speaking in public. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I I, I get that a lot. And I'll I'll share some of my experiences with that. Um, Other thoughts on the whole idea of, you know, our virtual is is it is it a better money maker and the whole thing with speakers um lisa do you have any thoughts on that do you think the speakers are going to be coming in in the future you know i don't know about from my end of the business i i don't know about it sort of being a money maker as opposed to um a money saver although sometimes i mean i know people get think that it's it's there's certain aspects of a person being virtual you know, attending a meeting virtual that uh, is less expensive, the travel, the time, it's a human, you know, it's a, it's a lot of things. However, I'm sure Stephanie can, can relate. I mean, from, from the, you know, the sales of the facility and I mean, it's expensive, it can be expensive. It costs a lot of money for us to get, um, to make sure that we had technicians and stuff in in house on site to make sure that this, that that streaming was seamless and um, and sometimes the bandwidth that you need for that is not a typical thing. You know, you have to ramp it up and it, it, that costs money, too. Mm-hmm. So what what I was saying is that what it's saved in is that some speakers themselves will charge more for themselves to physically have to go because there's travel. They have to stay overnight somewhere. There's a hotel. There's food and beverage. These are the things that they don't have to do, especially if they have a small spot of time. And your time, your time slot's only two hours. Okay. Well, almost any speaker could fit in two hours into their schedule. And so, in fact, we did save some money because the speaker said, if I don't have to travel, there's a different rate. I just don't know about bringing in money because that's not the type of organizations that I do. And I'm not usually producing for pay um, events. So I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I think that... um you know, when you talk about virtual or hybrid, uh, there is a lot of cost that goes into the technical and Mm -hmm. audiovisual piece of it, for Mm -hmm. sure. Um, 
I happened to speak to a client about a week or two weeks ago that they used to do their meet their trainings live. Um, And then when they started going virtual, they found that uh, they were able to get more people in attendance and it's an education, um, you know, training that people need to do in order to maintain um, credits. And so they are continuing to do that. However, she said next year, they probably will do some regional but so for something like that, maybe that's where there's a moneymaker because they're not having to spend the money to send people, you know, airfare or, or trains or cars, you know, however, airplanes, trains and automobiles. Um, and maybe that's where a, a quote unquote moneymaker could come into play because they're not spending the money. Yeah. You know, I, I think of that in the, the organization that I belong to, it's mostly you know, solopreneurs, entrepreneurs. And so, you know, if I leave my business to travel to New Orleans, which I did for a week, then as you said, the travel down, the travel back and um, beyond the expense, it's time that I'm away from my business. And so if it's virtual, um, you know, as you were saying, I think it was you, Lisa, saying that people can kind of, uh, it's it's more convenient. They can kind of do it, fit in that, fit those things into their schedule. Absolutely. And, yeah. With it being virtual, you can get speakers. You can attract a greater range of speakers. So you can have an all-day conference and have speakers spanning 12 or 14 different time zones. Yeah. But they are all on the same virtual stage. Yeah. And you were going to say something, Lisa. Were you going to Were you going to say something? Okay. Maybe, maybe I missed it. So, um, so one of the things I want to ask you about too, is, um, because I've, I've read quite a bit about this actually in, uh, the beam report, which is a virtual event platform. And then also in the Amex global business travel, um, you know, a report that they did that meeting spending is on the rise, like dramatically. One of them said 83%. They, they were planning on seeing that increase. And the other one was 65% of meeting planners said that the the budgets were going to increase. So are you, are you seeing that? Absolutely. I mean, much like our home, um, you know, as consumers, we're all seeing with inflation going up, um, there's, there's increases everywhere. Um, so food and beverage and, um, airfare. So I hear that from a lot of my clients as well, that their, their spend is higher and um, being more creative on where they're spending the money. Okay. Can you elaborate on that about the creative places that how to spend money? Um, sure. Things like things maybe where there's audio visual that they don't need to necessarily bring in. Um, maybe there are uh, somebody had told me the other day they bring in swag and they're not doing that. They're actually doing um, little cards that says there was a donation made to a local charity instead of, oh. instead of giving things away. Um, maybe instead of having an elaborate breakfast or something, it's more of a continental and uh, spending the money in a place where, you know, maybe the reception or something like that. Okay. Other thoughts on that? 
Okay. So, um, so I, I want to, um, something else that I saw, because you had mentioned the idea of um, saving money and about, you know, cutting back on, uh, you know, uh, breakfast or things like that. And one of the things that I read about was that sustainability. And I read that in a lot of different things. And I was kind of curious mm-hmm. what they were t- me- talking about. And they were saying, you know, using water pitchers instead of having, you know, bottles of water, which, you know, been kind of like the thing for years. You go there, there's always bottles of water. But but doing that and, um, you know, eliminating using plastic and, and things like that. So So what do you see when it comes to that? Well, I mean, I can tell you it's a very interesting thing that you should bring up because that is a big concern. Sustainability hasn't gone away. The idea of it, um, I think, and being green as possible and, you know, reduce our carbon footprint and, you know, certainly try not to be as wasteful with certain things. The interesting thing, though, is that for example, before COVID hit, I, I planned a big, uh, I was a, a an insurance company uh, event in the city. And one of the things, you know, we were trying to do is keep things creative, but also to be sustainable. So things like that, water pitchers and things like that. Plus we we're trying to be, you know, fresh and everything. So we had like these infused pitchers, you know, big, big things of, of water and stuff like that, you know, with the spigot that people could uh-huh. serve, you know, serve themselves and things like that. However, what ha- and also about disposable uh, dishes and and things that are not you know things that are not that are more communal. After COVID and then all these other little things, we've had a strange sort of a a mix because now you're like, well, I'm not quite so sure. I feel like having, you know, pictures of water that everybody has just been near or touching wow. or cups and all those things. I would much rather either a carry my own bottle in and you can refill it anywhere you want. But there's a thing about that. And, and, you know, PS, that's not how you spread COVID, but I'm just saying that there's no, a lot I, of things I, about yeah. it. And and also disposable plates and things and reusable things. I mean, if you go so much even for just it's just hard to it's it's just odd. You know, so sustainability on a on a top line level is still very important. Um, and I think things like, uh, uh, for example, like they have programs in place. A lot of hotels do uh, and and venues that you know, for example, if you have leftover food that has not been touched or whatever, they will donate them to local shelters or you know certain things. If there's even the swagger stuff that's left over, any papers, pens, pads, they give it to schools and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. that I find is definitely alive and strong. And in fact, I encourage it. It's a wonderful feeling to know that your stuff isn't just getting, you know, trash. But like I said, the food and beverage aspect is slightly, it's still iffy because we're still having, you know, getting together and everything. We're all okay with it, but just don't sit that, that close to me and, yeah, I'm not going to the communal watering hole kind of thing. So, no, no, I hear you. You know, I I have found that, and it, it's it's funny that you know the different levels of comfort. Um, you know, we're actually going over to uh, a friend's um, in in a couple of weeks, and you know they requested that like everybody that goes to, takes a COVID test before they go, 
And it's just because it's the level, the level of comfort. Um, and I would think that Stephanie, perhaps that idea of, um, you know, donating rather than giving swag is another way to be, you know, sustainable. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Donating or, you know, um, utilizing apps. I mean, Lisa, you know, some of the things that, you know, instead of utilizing paper, um, there are definitely other things outside of the food and beverage realm that where people can be sustainable as well. Um, obviously with housekeeping at hotels, you know, people putting the, 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 the notice on their door not to clean their room. I personally don't want anybody in my room <laughs> when I go to a hotel. I would much rather um, not have my anybody in there. That's just me. Um, but yeah, there are definitely ways of being uh, sustainable and it, and it is important. Yeah. So I, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. I, I'm always like, do not disturb for yeah. however long I'm staying in my room. So Christopher, it looks like you were wanted to add something there. You know, I, the sustainability aspect is intriguing. Now, is that um, for the events that are in person, is that a selling point or a consideration that goes in right up front for both the venue as well as the client? Um, I mean, for there are many companies that will submit RFPs and they will have their list of questions about sustainability, what do we offer or things that they require? Yeah, we actually, um, I do a lot of um, work with PepsiCo and, and part of our addendum that we send with every single hotel contract says that there's a green, you know, we are trying to be uh, as green as possible. And we, we do ask a couple of questions like that and also say the same things like, you know, recycling bins in the place, you know, recycling bins for, for the stuff and separate separating the trash and stuff. Well, the thing is that, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting thing because of course everybody says yes. And then I'm always sitting there going, are they really going through that? Are they really? Cause I don't know. I see the same people cleaning that stuff up and it looks like it's all going to the same place. But the bottom line is it's, you know, you're saying that you are and that the assumption is that it is being carried out and that that is an important thing. But yeah, I don't know though, Christopher, to your point, I don't know if I've ever heard of that as a selling point. I think if your group, if the group that you are entertaining, you know, are hosting, um, is part of that whole thing. They definitely need to know that and they will promote it as far as it, but for the most part, I don't, the things that I'm doing, no, we don't usually, it's not a selling point. It's mm -hmm. usually just like a, like a, a side give a side want. Okay. Ask, well, I should say a side ask. That's put I'm, it that I'm way. Curious from a virtual standpoint, one of the things I've seen is companies sending the quote unquote swag to the participants beforehand. So everyone's in a virtual meeting and they get their swag that they can display during mm -hmm. the meeting. Yeah. Yes. I mean, that's fun. Yeah, we did that. We did that when we did the virtual meetings. We we had um, one of them for, because we always have, you know, opening night event. And one of them we did kind of like a Hawaiian luau. And we sent out lays and, and straws and recipes for cocktails and mocktails that people, so we could all kind of be together, even though we were 
we were apart. And I'm, I'm just curious about, you know, the whole idea of virtual, virtu uh, I'm sorry, in person, because I did find a couple of events that are still talking about safety in terms of COVID. And I, I saw online, there was one event, it was kind of like a dance music festival thing, but it wasn't that long ago. I mean, it was, it was the end of December into the beginning of January and they were still requiring masks and, and everything. So, but is that like over now in 2023? You know, in my, in, in my experience, it is very, um, like you said earlier, Annette, that there are like just like people will do. Sometimes the people are still requesting that you know people test before they get on a plane or mm -hmm. test you know before they they you know or in each morning of a meeting we've had even as far as even last summer. But I'm talking about for this year. I'm curious to see how we're going to handle it. But I mean, they would tell them to take a take and stay home if you test positive. But um, as far as what we're doing for the most part is it is it's, it's people say, you know, masking is, is uh, re not requested, suggested, but not required right. because no, it's very difficult. And most people are not, right. I, I've almost, most people are not in meetings or out on the street. So, yes. yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and, you I know, I wanted to just tell you that um, I, I read a little something in preparation for this, uh, a couple of little things, and it says that um, this is from PCMA, Professional Convention Management Association, that they said that in-person events planning remains strong. Three out of four events planned for 2023 will have in-person participants. And then he said, but then out of the percentage, approximately one in five will have a hybrid element. And I think that the reality of it is, is that, one of the blessings as in disguise of the pandemic is this aspect of the ability to realize that you don't have to go into the office every day. You do not have to meet in person every time. And that there are some scenarios where people are absolutely comfortable. And like Christopher said, even if you have some worldwide famous speaker and you want that person to talk at your event for 15 minutes as a keynote. You have your setup already there. Your room is ready to rock. You got your dual screens. You got everybody all set. They're all excited. The music pumps and boom, on comes whoever this person is on the screen. The fact is, is that, again, the availability is better. Possibly the price for them to speak is less. And there's not all the other fanfare that goes with it. And I do believe that that now that we've figured out that Zoom and all these other, including what we're on now, these platforms work and are completely good for some purposes, not all, mm -hmm. they're, I don't, they're never going away. And I don't want them to, frankly. I love the fact that we can get into a meeting. I can join something that's happening. You know, like if there's an aspect of a meeting that I want some training or something that's happening at a bigger event, I will pay just for that one little seminar just to come on in. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I, I, I hear you on this. So I just want to take a minute to say hello to uh, some people that have joined us. Our friend, Brenda Miller, uh, our visitors and my friend. Uh, we're so happy to see you, Brenda. And um, hello from New York City. Brenda's in uh, Detroit, Metro Detroit. And Mary Susan Schilling, thank you for joining us. 
And also hello to Charmaine Nesby. Uh, thanks for, for joining us as well. And, you know, um, I'd, I'd like to turn back to the speakers because I, I think this is so interesting. Um, and, and I love the idea of, um, of the, you know, the hybrid or virtual because it's so convenient. And um, I'm sure if you have, you know, big speakers like the, the PA conference, they had uh, Marley Maitland was one of the people that spoke there. And I'm sure it was easier for them to have her you know, present virtually than, than to actually go there in person, even though it's a, a fairly a fairly large uh, women's conference. They have, I think, four of them in the, uh, the year in different parts of the country. But one of the things that I found um, when I was doing my research is that um, diversity um, is, is a top um, key issue uh, to have as a topic, but also to have speakers. And so I would imagine um, that having a virtual event might make that easier. And I looked up some, some data and the most recent data I could find on like gender, one was like 69% were men. And that was a couple of years ago. And the more recent one in 2021 was um, 55% um, are are men. And so um, I'm curious first about the topic and then also, also about the speakers. Is that, is, is it easier and, and how can um, organizations get, you know, have diversity in their speakers? So I am the director of membership for an organization in New Jersey and um when we're doing events virtual and live, um, it is definitely something that we look at who's, you know, who our speakers are, um, who do they represent, uh, and definitely of an equal, uh, you know, bringing people in that everyone can relate to, mm -hmm. you know, so that it's not heavily weighted in one area. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that answers your question. No, no, it, it does. I, you know, uh, plus, I mean, for me, I think, you know, you also have diversity of thought, you know, when you have, you know, younger, older, black, white, male, female, that you're, you know, that you're going to have a different, um, you know, different takes, even if it's on the same topic. So, so what do y'all think about that? Absolutely. Uh, one of the things I've observed is just asking the question, who do you know who doesn't look like you that can speak on this topic? Mm. Mm. It's a good way to ask it. That That's is a good, good way to ask it. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, and that makes for so much more of a dynamic um, thing, you know, um, uh, it's it's funny too. Uh, I, I'm sorry. I, I literally was like looking up. So just like you said, Annette, all those things that you're saying, the things about diversity and stuff are the buzzwords. These are the things that are going around. And one of the things is uh, it said that um, the meeting professional, you know, which is MPI's uh, publication said uh -huh. that uh, one of the, the people said that humanity is undergone a reset and no one is the same as they were in 2020. So people don't want to invest time, money and energy to travel to an event to just listen to someone talk at them, you know, that they could get that at home on their screen. Yeah. And so they said that we should be designing events that focus on connection and interaction mm -hmm. and to feed that need. 
the the need of yeah is this somebody different is this something different oh but oh by the way look what they know about exactly that topic that i want to hear about and i think that's i think it's very exciting and very dynamic and and that's trending is my point so you're right i i you know i i did a bunch of research and everything i read said that that was you know it was the 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 number one topic actually that people were wanting to have that was the and the next one um the number here was uh 58.1 percent um said that that was the the top uh top topic uh followed by leadership and motivation at 57 percent, and then there was like health uh, mental health and and something else, wellness or something. I think so. Uh, it you know it definitely is, and and I'm hoping that it's more than a buzzword. I'm hoping that it's actually uh, you know happening. So is is that what you're seeing though? I, I would say absolutely. I mean, it's definitely bringing people in of of all ages, ranks. Uh, you know. People want to be able to gather and network and learn from one another. And if they're going to go live, they want it to be something where it's worth their while, like Lisa, what you're saying, that if they're going out there, that it's a worthwhile experience and something that they'll remember and not going somewhere and going, okay, you know, that was, that was okay. Yes. So um, it definitely makes it a, it, you know, makes it a, challenge, shall we say, that, you know, you want to make sure that you're doing something where your attendees are leaving and feeling like they've value in the experience that they're um, anticipating or, or getting at an event. Yeah. Rather than, oh, I could have, I could have done this from home. So yeah. yes, yes. And so be glad that they went. Like, I'm so glad I went. That exactly. was great. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So we, we have a question um, from Brenda, and the question is, is it better in your expert opinions to offer a hybrid option or is preferred to go 100% in person if a majority of attendees prefer in person? So she'd like us to, she'd like you all, not me, uh, to share some pros and cons um, and says she's assuming cost of technology and production of online can be expensive for hybrid. So big question there, Brenda. So what do you all say? Well, um, it goes back to what Lisa was saying about design. Whether the event is in-person or hybrid or completely virtual, design has to be the starting point. How are you going to engage the audience? And if it is going to be a hybrid meeting, then neither audience can be an afterthought. It has to be designed for everyone, wherever platform they're on, to be engaged. Yes, and 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 exactly because you certainly don't want the people that are like that opted for the hybrid option. Let's say it's offered, you know, um, are like I shouldn't have done that, or you know, it just wasn't as handled as good, or has a lot of frustration points. Because I do know that there are frustration points with this uh, using this uh, feed you know, technology and stuff like that. I mean, it does, it is subject to issues and, you know, our speaker, you know, that's why when you said about being prepared with the um, recorded version, we actually had that, which was really, really helpful. But the other point about the, um, the monetary aspect of it uh, in answer to your question, Brenda, as I said, there are aspects of virtual of live and virtual and then the ones 
that are hybrid, there is an element that is a little bit more cost. You do need to have more technology. You have to be prepared for it. You have to make sure that your bandwidth is right. Sometimes though, it's ridiculous that you have to pay for what we pay for bandwidth and stuff like that in this day and age, but there's the, the facilities and the technology companies, look, it's a, it's a very expensive, it's a commodity. And so they're just going to, you know, that's how they make their money too. But the point is, is that if you can balance it and just design it, um, it as was mentioned from the start and say, okay, well, we're not going to go insane, but we already know we have to do this setup. What is the extra amount of money that it's going to cost to bring it so that we can bring in this hybrid component and it works? Yeah. You know, I mean, back in the day, I'll just tell you, I mean, Stephanie said when we started, how many years it's been, I didn't say, but it's got to be 30 years myself. And we've known each other in different capacities over those years. And that's another nice thing about this industry. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, we did satellite broadcasts. So there's one location where there's one panel of doctors speaking, and they mm -hmm. blast it out by satellite technology to all kinds of, you know, Ruth's Chris steakhouses and restaurants and everything. And that is a challenge, but we made it happen. And there was, it was far less, it was far less, I think, technically savvy as we are now with the zoom platforms and things like this. So, you know, the, the producers, the, the, your client, the producers, your company, your management all have to be aware that if you say you want to do hybrid, that you have to figure out, is it going to be worth what we get out of it? Like what we give is what we get. And also just be prepared that you're probably going to have a component that is going to cost a little bit more. But on the flip side, if you can get 25% of people that wouldn't be going at all to attend, mm -hmm. that may outweigh the benefits, outweigh the cost. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Brenda says, good point, you know, about neither audience being an afterthought and that, you know, is is a lot of what you were saying um and and it is um it, it is really interesting because i think it is the balance of um when i say about a money maker i mean that they get more people to attend so mm -hmm. if there was if it's a conference i don't know a smaller conference if it would have been you know a thousand people in person maybe you'd get 1500 or or something mm -hmm. to you know to come to the to the hybrid so um i'm, I'm curious about hybrid like how that um, might work. The the conference that I attended um, that was hybrid, it was one day in person and one day was the hybrid. It was, it was really kind of all virtual. I guess you could be there and watch it on a big screen. And then it was, you know, the people who were coming in for the virtual part, we only had access to one day. And like the bigger, bigger speakers were like the first day. So they, you know, have you come mm -hmm. in person. So so how do you think that's gonna be? Is it is this going to be um, you know, a mix like that? Or is like someone who's who's doing the virtual, are they gonna just be sort of maybe shortchanged, although, you know, maybe get a, a cheaper ticket? They shouldn't be shortchanged. Neither audience should be. Um Hybrid done well takes a lot of thought and planning. So it's not just sticking a camera at the back of the room and aiming it and then putting mm -hmm. a screen up and then showing the virtual participants. It has to be thought out a lot more than that. Can, can you talk a little yeah. bit about uh, a little bit about that? Sure. Uh, one thing you might want to do is just have something to engage both audiences similarly. So instead of 
having a poll that's just on the screen, have everyone complete that poll using their phone because chances are they have their phone with them. So using a, a tool that where the, everyone answers, whether in person or virtual on the phone, and then display the results. Have a moderator in both places so that you have someone to address all the questions that are coming in online. Hey, we have a great question coming in on this, you know, and making sure that that is balanced against the person in the room. With the person in the room, everyone who is in the room should be speaking into a microphone, whether they are going up to a standard stationary microphone or they're having someone yeah. run around with one. Mm -hmm. uh, so just yeah. kind of planning that out and thinking it through is a little bit like the old uh, daytime shows where you would have uh, an audience or someone running through the audience to keep that person engaged with the at-home audience. Mm -hmm. And the at-home audience, hey, when people started phoning in, mm -hmm. they felt they were part of it. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I love that. And I'm glad that you mentioned the microphone. When I went to the con I went to a conference in New Orleans, which I had mentioned, um, the keynote speaker um, was immensely disappointing because she was walking around the room without a mic with without a mic and so you couldn't really although she was you know being immersed in the audience we were sit tables and of course it was september so we're not sitting too close and she was you know walking around but you couldn't hear her because she was not liked and so it oh, was no, uh, that's awful <laughs> that's yeah. a bad planning yeah that's not good <laughs> that was not good so do you, do you, um, what about the idea of, and, and I, I know, um, you know, I've done, I've been to virtual conferences that do this and I'm going to a hybrid in September, which I think is going to do this where you can sell sort of access to the presentations afterwards. I is think that a lot of, a lot of conferences are doing that. I think, um, you know, especially if you've paid the money to have, you know, your team there and stuff and there that there's no reason why it shouldn't be recorded or offered up as a as a secondary thing. I don't know. You know, I always think to myself, you know, is it advantageous when you have a conference, if it's a live conference to offer a hybrid component? You know, does that detract from like, in other words, if a person thought if you're if your attendees thought the only way I can get at, access this this uh content is to physically be there or else i'm going to miss out you know you'd make more of an effort i think to be there but 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 by the same token you know hey if you maybe you'll get like you were saying in that you know it's a little bit cheaper for people to go let's say you only get the one day okay so that's something someone's willing to do you know, either they don't have a company backing them to pay the, you know, pay that to go or, you know, they'll, you pay. It's like, but listen, at least I'll get something. And then even still, even more still, why not? If there's an after thing and people will pay to see a, a recorded portion, it's all yeah. revenue. And if you're, it depends on your message too. What is the purpose as the first thing Christopher said is what's the purpose of your meeting? You know, what is, what is your goal? Once you've determined that, I was like, well, if it's, if it's to make money and make sure you get your message out to as many people, you're going to do it any way you can. 
just like social media, you're going to use what you got. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. I, I, I think that that isn't, that is important. Um, any other thoughts on that before I, I move on to the next topic I have here? So sure. One more thought uh, that should also be planned up part of the planning process. If the end result is going to be a DVD or some, something that people can watch like membership or whatever, then it should be done with that in mind. What do I mean by that? Well, the production values. Just having somebody in front of a screen does not necessarily make an engaging video. We've all seen horrible <laughs> videos or videos that's like, wow, huh, I didn't miss anything. Plan for it to be an engaging video if it's going to be something that is going to be watched later. Yeah. You're right. You know, one of the things that, that I was reading about too, and, and I'm really curious um, because I read in a couple of places that um, talking about immersive experiences, you know, in technology and, you know, the conference that I went to, I mean, the immersion was the Q&A with the speaker. I mean, that was like the whole interactive thing. So what kinds of, um, you know, technology, like what, what kind of, what does it mean? I'm curious. And, and Christopher, since you do all the virtual stuff, maybe can you like start us off on that? Sure. Uh, for sometimes, well, like during breaks, for instance, that can be part of the immersive process where there is Q&A, but it is not necessarily germane to the topic. It is, hey, you know, what are some of the, because the speakers might be in one locale or speakers might be in a variety of locales, what is the local cuisine there? What, you know, what should we see if we visit that city? Um, sometimes we talk about karaoke. You know, okay. <laughs> what's your go-to karaoke song? Now, I've used that question as a means of getting the sound check because the standard question of, well, what did you have for breakfast? Coffee? Nothing? Nothing? <laughs> all right. So there is zero engagement with that. But when you say, all right, so what's your go-to karaoke song? Everyone has an opinion. Everyone has the ability to sing, even if it is only in the privacy of their car. <laughs> That's a great icebreaker. Yeah, yeah. See, I, I don't, I don't sing. For me, it's like, what's your favorite dance alone song? You know, in the that that would be it for me. So, because um, because that's how I, uh, you know, have a little fun. I dance around with the dogs. You know, don't tell anybody that I said that. I mean, I want anybody to know, but we'll just we'll just keep it our secret here. So, um, so as we're really still, well, you know, we're starting twenty twenty three. What do you think are going to be the big challenges? for the events, industry, meetings, um, you know, this year? Um, I would say a couple of things. Um, number one, and I mentioned it earlier, is availability, trying to find uh, space. Um, Again, I was with clients the other day and, and one of them had mentioned that they were looking to host a meeting in May and they started planning it in early January and they had to push it out like six months. And so they had to find a different location for May because this place they really wanted to go to and they pushed it out. 
Um, so I think the flexibility with uh, with dates is definitely something that'll be a challenge. Um, and there was something else I thought of and I forgot what it is. That's okay. Well, if you think of it as, as Lisa's going to jump in. Yeah, yeah. Stephanie, I'll tell you one of the things that, you know, when you were talking about availabilities of one of them, and it's not just of the facility, it's availability of the um, the other then the other things that the components that go into it. So like, for example, the speakers, yep. the AV company, entertainment, um, restaurants, the outside venues, transportation, buses, mm-hmm. certain cities, as you go in there, it's like, look, they get three big conferences in there are three big things. You, you, good luck. You're not, you, I mean, you're not going to make, 20, you know, a group of 50 people, everybody's going to take an Uber to everything we do. I mean, but that's what happens. There's, so that's what I'm finding. And the other thing is, is it's not that companies aren't necessarily willing or able to spend the money, but you know, there is, there are just, I'm finding that everything is extremely expensive. As Stephanie said, when we first started, I mean, everything is exponentially higher food costs and everything else. Even hotels are asking us, they want their guarantees like a week in advance because they have to be able to sure they'll have the product. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and again, and, and lead times to get stuff and printing things and shipping things and all kinds of stuff. So, you know, I find that that's a big challenge. Like what used to be like, you'd go into a city and there'd be plenty of vendors. Well, so many of the vendors that we use, these peripheral services that are tied to live meetings in particular, it, it, um, have been, they were decimated. They really were. They, some of them just closed the shop, including planners and salespeople and stuff in hotels. It's just a whole chain of events. And so now that we're all coming back like crazy, Who's going to do all the work? You know, who do I call? If there's two places in town and they're all booked because the hotel's booked, you're really kind of up the creek. So that's my concern. And and, and what about staffing? I mean, when when I when we, we went in, uh, to New Orleans in um, in September, I mean, they were very short staffed. It was impossible. You couldn't get, you know, people that wanted their rooms clean. You couldn't get rooms clean. You couldn't. I mean, there were so many things that you just couldn't get. Because they couldn't get people. Is is that going to be, you know, continuing? Are people going to be able to step up? Well, it depends on the job. You know, a lot of the, the jobs that, you know, it, there's just been a lot of things that have been hard. They A lot of the, the, the things. However, I've got one more quote. Okay. I got one, Let's hear I got it. one more thing. I just read <laughs> that per CNBC... The January job report shows unemployment hit a 53-year low, and yeah. and leisure and hospitality added 128,000 jobs to lead all job sectors. So, in answer to your question, hope springs eternal. I hope that that is legitimately the thing. But you know, it's a little bit slow moving. You got to get people in there, and you got to make it move. But I do see. I hope by the end of 2023 that things are ramped up enough, and all of the all of the places that we need to be up again are there, and that the companies are willing and able to pay for it because now OPS it costs more than it used to. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I I would imagine so. And so I do want to ask you one thing because I read um, that the top meeting de destinations were major urban centers. You know, no big surprise there. And the five that they had were Las Vegas, Orlando, New York City, uh, Dallas, and Atlanta. And, and except for, um, you know, New York, the one thing they have in common is they're all warm. I mean, you know, you don't have to worry, I would guess, as much about about the weather, although I attended a conference in Las Vegas, a Sherm conference years ago. I thought I was like on the sun there. It was so hot. But but is it <laughs> is it going to be those, um, you know, are, are those going to be the, the main thing, Stephanie, you're talking about availability? Um, are people going to have to maybe, I don't know, if they want to go to Dallas, that maybe they would have to go to Austin or something like that? to to uh you know to to find availability well austin is a pretty hip city already oh yeah i love it there but i'm just saying <laughs> oh yeah yeah no i i know i mean um you know i think that there definitely is gonna be a need to explore other avenues and not go to the the norm where everybody goes but everybody goes to vegas and orlando that's not ever going to change you know um in new york in new york city yeah. yeah all of the ones you listed i mean yeah that that's that's where people people have been going forever um but yes i do believe that they will you know be looking at different areas and also just bringing it back to um you know when you're bringing your attendees in and wanting them to have an experience what's something that's different so looking at a different city, looking at a different location, looking at something that people haven't done mm -hmm. before is going to attract people as well. Yeah. And I would imagine, though, people would want to be there. Um, I went to a conference that was supposedly in Chicago, but it was not we were not in Chicago. We were in, I think, Lombard, which is like, I don't know, a half an hour and it was so disappointing for us because we thought we were going to Chicago and not that the conference, you know, it was a good conference and everything, but you know, we were at a, at a, yeah, um, no. at a, a hotel with, you know, nothing really around us. I think there was a target nearby that we could walk over. Yeah, no. I liked the snacks for my room and stuff, but it was, it was disappointing that we weren't in the major city. So. And that is the problem sometimes. And I'm having that problem now. I'm trying to cite this big meeting. Right. And um, it's it's hard. I mean, we're doing exactly that. We targeted four big cities. One of them is De uh, Denver and um, Dallas. Mm -hmm. And uh, where's <laughs> and I'm telling you, it is like we and Nashville. And we are floored because if you know how many hotels there are in these, these cities, and they are completely not available. Yeah. And we're like, how is this possible? Yeah. And so, yeah, and that's exactly the cut we were saying. I'm like this, well, we might have to, let's, maybe we'll branch out, you know? And I said, and, and Christopher, I said, what about Detroit? Why don't we go to Detroit? They have plenty of places. I said like this, they've got, and they've got the, the car museum and they've got the flight museum and all kinds of cool stuff out there and the, the Motown and everything. Let's exactly. go. But everybody's like, Oh, I don't know. I'm like, yes, because they wow. have plenty of that. See, that sounds great. To me. Detroit is an me international too. destination. I, I would imagine. I mean, I'm, I have That's a I told them. I'm supposed to be going to, it's in, it's in Colorado. It's in Colorado Springs. I'm like, mm. 
you know, I'm not <laughs> excited to go there. I'll probably, you know, go, but I'm not excited to go there. I would be way more excited to go to Detroit. I could meet Christopher. I could meet Brenda. And I'm I'm sure it's a rocking town because bring you know, your passport too. Yeah. Right over to Canada. Exactly. Well, I, yeah, I it really is great. See, now you're making now I'm thinking to myself, you I know what? I want to push a little bit harder for that. You should. So I so I grew up on Motown. I mean, you know, oh, I, yeah. I grew up in, in this in well, not New York City, but you know, a big city in Connecticut, a big urban area. And so that's what I grew up on, Motown. And uh, I just can't get enough of it. That's your so, go-to dance? I'm sorry? Your go-to dance is, is uh, Motown? Well, actually, right now it's a little, you know, mixed. But sort of, yeah, I love I love Motown. I, I love every once in a while go out and see one of those bands and it's kind of like, eh. But my favorite all-time is Earth, Wind & Fire. And I've seen them many times. And sat real close to him too. So that's always exciting. So anyway, um, we are, our time together is just about over. And I always like to um, ask, because I think we've covered a lot of different topics here tonight, but I'd like you to, um, there's always things that people think should be shared that I didn't bring up and somehow it was, you know, missing conversation. So if you could each share something um that you think is, you know, a, a good point to end on, something you'd like to share and let people know how they can uh, find you. Okay. Um, so I will share this, uh, you know, during COVID, a lot of clients and peers that I spoke to said it was an opportunity for them to, um, stop and realize that they needed to take care of themselves and needed to have time with their family and uh, be more present. And um, I think that wellness is definitely something that is very important right now. And that's not just in what we eat or our exercise. It's also uh, mental. Um, it's okay not to be okay. And I think that that's something that we all need to just make sure that we're checking in with one another and um, not forgetting that that is still very important. And in an, in an industry where everybody is going so fast paced right now, it's like, what do they call it? A drinking out of a fire hose. Um, don't forget to take a walk or don't forget to check in with a friend or don't forget to drink your water. I mean, I know it sounds very trivial, but you know, we have to take care of ourselves first. That would be what I would say. And again, I'm Stephanie with Mohegan Sun. Um, and you can look me up on LinkedIn. I would love to connect with everybody here. And um, anything that we can do, I would love to discuss it more with anyone who's interested in learning more. Thank you. Lisa, let's go ladies first. <laughs> well, you know, um, I think that the thing to keep in mind, that you know, is that Really, as I had said, COVID really did a number on us all. But I, I have to say that, you know, it's behind that is we have to put it sort of behind us now. And we just really need to be a little bit better every day and um, and be just and as Stephanie said, be present. Do the best that you can every single day. It's not perfect. It's never going to be perfect. But if we set out the days going, you know what, I'm going to get through this day hopefully going to be nice to people while I'm getting through this day, being nice to myself mm -hmm. and also just do the best that you can. And 
and learn what you can from what you don't, you know, what you do wrong. So what? And then we just move it on because you know what? Shoulda, woulda, coulda, and who could have ever foreseen where we would all be? I, I could not have even thought that this year would be the way it is already shaping up to be. So, you know, and I'm Lisa Swartz. I am uh, with Meeting Services Outsource Specialist, LLC. And uh, if you ever need help planning a meeting or just want help with contract review or whatever or anything, just reach out to me. I'm also on LinkedIn. And uh, I'd very much like to connect with the folks that are watching this, anybody that watches it in the future. And I'm very happy to meet Christopher. And I'm so happy to see Stephanie and Annette again. Thanks so much for this. Thank you. Well, this has just been a delight. So, all right, my words of wisdom, my advice, uh, building upon what has been said, show grace, learn and share. Raise the bar on what you can deliver, whether, speaking of events, whether your event is in person or online or hybrid, raise the bar on what you can deliver to attendees by thinking of the audience and what you want them to walk away with. Grow with grace and extend grace not only to others, but also to yourself. Mm -hmm. Christopher Johnson, I welcome your LinkedIn connection. Personalize it. Tell tell me something that you learned or enjoyed in this conversation. Well, well, thank you, and and thank you so much. It was just such a treat to see all of you um, tonight, and I thank you so much for your time and generously sharing your knowledge. So I'm Annette Richmond, um, and. To everyone else out there, have a good evening, afternoon, or uh, the rest of your day. And thanks so much for joining us, and I'll see you again real soon. Thank you again for joining me for this episode of the Trend Talk Show. If you enjoyed our broadcast, please subscribe.